Blog Talk Radio. Let's start my show off how I normally would start. <laughs> Do you think this is 2021 or years past? Maestro, if you could, please. Into perspective for you. In Your House 5 and Hell in a Cell was actually decent. I mean, can someone please explain how that feels or looks for wrestling fans all around? My sentiments exactly. Because you see, WWE in years past had produced pay-per-views that really didn't catch the ire of or interest of wrestling fans, universally speaking. A lot of said, you know, wrestling fans be interested more in AEW's bullshit. And the reason I say that in the biased tone is because if you take a good look or gander at what AEW just did, then watch Dynamite. Pretty sure I'm going to report that on Saturday and compare and contrast that shit to WWE and what they recently just did with Hell in a Cell and 
in your house. First and foremost, folks, I decided to take note on set events and give you the reel on what I thought about in your house. It wasn't bad, you know. I mean, the only disingenuous crap that happened was the Tiffany Stratton Perez backstage segment. Other than that, I'll tell you the two matches that caught my attention. I'm not going to go down a list and bore you to fucking tears because that's not me. I will give you the matches, though, that, you know, like I said, caught my attention. Legado del Fantasma versus Tony D'Angelo and his partners, two stacks or two that whatever, stacks and dimes. You know, the, the fuck I care about getting those names right. It was awesome. It was a very back-and-forth match. The loser had to join the other faction and do whatever they say. There's no time limit. There's no. I don't know if there's going to be if there was a fallout match. I didn't cover that. Sorry, ladies and gents. I'm only covering In Your House and Hell in a Cell and also comparing and contrasting AEW. Give me a break. Okay, the women's tag team titles match. Um... Let me just point this out. Toxic attraction to me, in my own mind, is a faction that, yes, is unique, but they're very reminiscent of a faction that has long left WWE, and I know I'm going to get in trouble for doing this. But I'm, you know, going off the bandwagon, damn it. That match caught my attention. It was very back and forth between Chance and Carter. A 450 splash, bomb, whatever you call it, near fall. Jane on the outside, or Jane was on the outside of the ring. She hits, chance, boom, right in the fucking kisser. One, two, three, they retain their tag team championships. Woo woo. The Creed Brothers. You know, they used to be boring as shit. Because, you know, the pure wrestling gimmick's been done before. Kurt Angle's the only one to pull it off. Outside of Chad Gable and maybe, if he was still around, Jason Jordan. But very seldom do pure wrestling gimmicks pull off. But again, God bless it. Gotta stay focused. That match surprised me. Because I hadn't watched NXT in weeks. And let me tell you. From the very get-go, that match was very back and forth between the Creed Brothers. Oh, and um, I guess I skipped one. Carmelo Hayes, congratulations. That North American Championship was off the chain. But um, before that, I was right. I was right. The Creed Brothers. Okay. No, I was wrong. The Creed Brothers versus Pretty Deadly, which was the match before the main event. Granted, okay, a lot of people are going to say, why didn't you go over Cameron Grimes versus Carmelo Hayes? Again, it wasn't a bad match, and it was like, ooh-ah, because it just was, wow. And I know I skipped over the Women's Tag Team Championship match, you know, features, what happened. All for those of you messaging me on Instagram, I love you, but you're distracting me, damn it. By the way, our Instagram 
for this crazy Wrestle Radio Network show is Wrestle underscore radio on the Insta. On the Twitter is at, un, at underscore Brian Rails. And for the Book of Face, it's Wrestle Radio Network forward slash Facebook.com. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or unwanted distractions, wink, wink, please feel free to message us on any of the social media handles. We're back to the Creed Brothers. A dude pulled off a shooting star press. And then, you know, the lariat to get the win, or the basement lariat, I like to call it. One, two, three. The Creed Brothers are the new NXT Tag Team Champions of the World. That was a good match. Very good match. And as I said, I'm sorry if I'm getting sidetracked, folks. I don't mean to. It's just to force a, just a habit that I am trying. I'm trying to break, if you would. Very funny. Next. No, should I not ask because I'm not the one in control? But anyways... <clears throat> I thought In Your House was done fairly well. Yes, I skipped over a certain match, Mandy Rose versus uh, Wendy Chu. I I want to say, you know, I'm always infatuated with outlandish gimmicks, gimmicks that most people do not like. And Wendy Chu, God bless you. I love the sleeping beauty gimmick, you know, where she just dreams of certain scenarios and it's hilarious to watch on screen and I thought there was a very good match between Wendy Chu and Mandy Rose I think that Wendy Chu should have won that match maybe she's not ready yet anyways oh yeah there are certain segments where I did label it blah the Tiffany Stratton is like the NXT women's breakout tournament so like I said, I'll go over those results on Saturday, and I'm comparing and contrasting the work of AEW versus WWE. But anyways, folks, that moment, uh, not too fond of, moving on, Gacy and Breaker from the main event for the NXT World Heavyweight Championship. I must tell you that the stipulation was that if Braun Breaker lost his shit, then Joe Gacy would become champion. If anything that I'm seeing from Joe Gacy prior to this match, the hype, the videos, the vignettes, the promos, it's like a cross between putting him in the the same category as Bray Wyatt and then also he has followers and you could have followed me and your demise was because you didn't follow me. Trying too hard, yeah. Joe Gacy and Breaker had a decent match. Uh, There's a few instances, you know, with a steel chair. Oh, you know, he used a steel chair and now I'm down. I thought that was cute. I thought it was funny. But I also thought that it was, um, that match, the main event for NXT was very blended. It wasn't, it wasn't I would rewatch that match type deal. Much the standout matches in in your house was the women's tag team championship and the men's 
the North American Championship. Very good job, guys. Cameron Grimes and Carmelo Hayes. You guys, the Spanish fly out the middle row. Wow, you two. Uh, the overachieving, the DDT on the apron where Cameron Grimes looked like he lost his shit. Good job all around, man. This is the first time I tuned in to see NXT. I was curious because a friend of mine said, you should watch NXT in your house. It wasn't a bad show. The faction match. You want to talk about missing out on something, guys. I feel like I missed out on NXT in general. I haven't watched them in months. Last time I tuned into them was, well, the scene hasn't changed. I mean, Mandy Rose is now the NXT Women's Champion. The Women's Tag Team Championships have not changed hands. Why? Why well, broke it when it's, you know, not fixable? Oh, I don't know, you know the saying. Don't break it if it's not, you know. Ah, screw it. We're not going to go with metaphorical sayings. Hell in a cell. Hell in a cell. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, that is, you know, I am the judge, jury, and executioner, okay? Hell in a cell. All right. Hype video for the women's triple threat match between Asuka, Becky, and Bianca Belair. Bring this a little closer so you all can hear me better. Allow me to tell you the following. That match, Seth versus Cody was interesting. Uh, Kevin Owens versus Ezekiel. I had to fast forward, ladies and gentlemen, through the other matches. I'm sure that they were of decent quality, but you know what? Let's focus on the intriguing shit, shall we? The women opened up the night, and they absolutely did a fantastic job of setting the tone for the rest of the night. Bianca Belair, Oscar, and Becky Lynch, I love you three. You did an amazing job. Not just an exceptional job, or you did an okay job of getting the night going. There was no bullshit. There was no interference. There was a lot of near falls. A lot of times when Oscar broke up the count, when Becky thought she had it won. And at the end, manhandle slam. Becky thought she had it, you know, in the bag, and then Bianca Belair just pulls her off and says, Okay, one, two, three, I'll take it. I like it. I like the fact that there wasn't a clear definitive win, you know, you take what you will, I guess, in that instance. Um, yeah, Kevin Owens versus Ezekiel, definitely decent. Skipped over the other matches. You know who deserves a, a lot of badges? One for courage, one for the biggest ball sack on the face of the planet. Dude, a lot of people, including myself, had Cody Rhodes down and out. You know why? Because... He was getting booed. He went from being booed out of the fucking buildings that he was wrestling in for AEW to coming back to sold-out WrestleMania in Dallas, going one-on-one with Seth Rollins and absolutely tearing the house down. Every Every single match that these guys have had, WrestleMania, WrestleMania Backlash, and now Hell in a Cell. You want to talk about a crescendo match. This possibly is the probably the third rebirth of Cody Rhodes' career. 
because he started out in, in the ECW, wasn't really doing much in WWE, left in 2016, floated around other uh, wrestling territories or companies or whatever. And then he comes back and has three quality matches with one of the top guys in WWE, Seth Rollins. Now, this match, granted, you take a look at the torn pectoral muscle of uh, Cody Rhodes, and you're like, man, this guy's got to be on a shit ton of medications or, you know, some painkillers just because the kendo stick, the tail, the post bumps that he took. Um, I will say this, I, you know, what do you say about a dude that makes a comeback? You say, well, the prodigal son hath returned. You say, what, you know, what else can you say? Cody Rhodes had a phenomenal match. And yes, I know I skipped over the Edge and Finn Balor thing. I don't look. This be the show, so if you listening or are you writing me on Instagram, it's cool. But um, I do want to point out something or a few things. I'm pleasantly surprised that I only had to skip over, you know, set amount of matches. Sorry, guys and gals, if I skipped over your you guys are awesome peoples, but I got to, you know, go with my bread and butter, and that's, you know, focus on what caught my attention. As much, dude, as you're going to message me about Mad Cat Moss and Baron Corbin, I'm going to tell you right now, I, like I said, I don't mean any disrespect whatsoever for the competitors that competed at Hell in a Cell, but you know what? Got to go with the interest. The women's triple threat match is probably my favorite. And that is a tie between that and the Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins because I was hooked. Yes, we all have phones, and yes, we all get distracted, but those two matches had the crowd going, oh, this is awesome, holy shit. Can you imagine the amount of shit that went down with Cody versus Seth? They didn't instantly start pulling out hardcore weapons maybe not until like the six eight minute mark i'm not sure not going into specifics because i don't really pay attention to the time but guesstimating in my head that's when it happened anyways the amount of punishment that cody absorbed the empathy that he got from the crowd that's pretty damn amazing considering he was wrestling hurt he's done it before i mean the dude jumped off a cage and broke a toe and still finished the match this one he had a torn pectoral muscle and you know there were like four crossroads that complete two disaster kicks a figure four he took a buckle bomb into a cable did Cody. And, you know, Seth Rollins dressing up in uh, Cody's uh, father's ring attire, you know, the polka dot half white beater and the polka dot pants in black and yellow. That's like the perfect emblem of a heel. That's, you know, fans right now in wrestling are saying this, man, this is a pleasant surprise. I said, I'm not really going to focus too much on... uh, 
their match. But man, you know, WWE, I haven't really watched their stuff except for here and there's on replays on Daily Motion. But Jesus Christ, watching Hell in a Cell somewhat, you know, watching, focusing on three matches. And out of three matches, two of them, yes. One of them is like, okay. Uh, the uh, six-person six intergender match, it wasn't bad. It's just, why? They, I mean, they, that's what the, not because of the result, but it's like, what was the point? I mean, yeah, you got to have a payoff, but other than that, what was the point? I keep saying maybe some people might get it, but what was the point? Three matches of decent quality in your house. Really couldn't find a bad match at all, except for, well, like I said, I really wish the result would have been different with Wendy Chu and Manny, but maybe they're building towards that. But, wow, WWE actually put on decent quality programming for their major pay-per-views, like, um, in your house, uh, and also Hell in a Cell. Good job, guys. Now, now that we're out of the woods for now, <laughs> we're going to go to a place that I like to call comfort. Not total rant, but you know what I mean. So, the following, ladies and gentlemen, please hold on, you know, please buckle the fuck up because this is exactly what I'm going to tell you. The following content presented on this pro wrestling podcast, Wrestle Radio Network, profile belongs to the owner, Brian Rails. You do not have permission to use, copy, reproduce the content from all episodes recorded and shared on social media. All content is protected by U.S. and international copyright laws. Reproduction and distribution without permission from the owner is strictly prohibited and can be punishable by law. Failure to comply will result in legal action taken. All rights reserved, Russell Radio Network, off the rails, uncensored. So, Maestro, maybe you could take me to that one place I like to call comfort level or comfort zone. <laughs> Just hit the music. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. <laughs> Look at the compare and contrast, if you will. Lately, we've been in and off talking about Sasha and Naomi. Well, if it weren't for those two leaving, we wouldn't have this quality match between three women that two of them, they dubbed unsafe. Okay. Anyways, to put a quality over quantity... WWE on their 
current roster. Let's look up the numbers, shall we? I could bore you to death with statistics all night long, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to go look and see. Okay. Current number of WWE wrestlers. Uh, yeah. All right, what we got? So let me let me just look here. The current roster as of June eighth, twenty twenty two. So mm-hmm. roster by year, roster by era. Oh no no no. So this includes NXT UK and everyone. So. There's 248 people. There was 248. I don't know if there's 248 people total, but my God, that's a lot of people. That's more than AEW. These, some of them, you know, are not active. So really, if we're going to count anyone, let me see here. Dear Lord. So out of these 248 people, like, okay, for example, Sloan Jacobs, Sid Scala, Shotzi Blackheart, Shinsuke Nakamura, Shelton Benjamin. I'm just listing off the row. Out of the people that they actually work on their shows, like actually put and say, all right, tonight you got Sheamus, for example. WWE is producing quality content, and they're not having to push envelopes if you will and they're not forcing it uh, except for their promos backstage and that's a different rant for a different fucking show so AEW has like what 122 people on their active roster and some of them wrestle only on AEW Elevation Dark what is it my business what do I care? If someone's wrestling within a company and they're happy, more power to them. What I'm trying to say is the whole MJF supposed shoot it just seems like that it was so obvious that it was just one big giant work in response to the whole Sasha and they only walking out. Not just that. But uh If you notice, folks, WWE's limited amount of resources is not the only thing that is kind of perplexing is how they can put on a decent show versus AEW that has to have specialty matches like Dog Collar or Battle Royals, seems like, for every single goddamn pay-per-view and what I mean by that is that the winner of this battle royal will get a future shot at an AEW World Heavyweight Championship match, or the cho- matches or title of their choosing. Holy hell, dude! The amount of people that is scattered throughout uh, AEW versus the amount of people scattered throughout WWE. There's, comparatively speaking. WWE is finally getting the hint that you need to have a show, a show in general that starts out with a match 
that sets the tone for the rest of the night. Then after that, you have what we call with this match, you know, carry on like, okay, Lashley versus Almost uh, and uh, MVP. That one was decent, too. I'm sorry I didn't mention that one, but that one was decent, too, for, you know, the quality that it provided. Some may say, well, the only reason why Chicago was filled was because of Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. There are other matches that night, man. But what I'm getting at is matches that are not main event, but they they start what we call in wrestling, you know, it's like the opening act. You don't want the opening act to outshine the band, right? You want a band that's going to get the crowd interested or just be one of those, I'm going to pull out my phone and take pictures of you because I've never seen you before. I, well, I like you, or I'm just going to record one or two of your songs on video and share it to Instagram or wherever. You, The point is, the point I'm trying to make is you – as a wrestling promoter or writer or booker or whatever, want to have a match that opens up and lets the crowd go, okay, cool. There's a lot of oohs, ahs, you know, booing, cheering. Asuka, Bianca Belair, and Becky Lynch, good job. You know, my God, you three did an amazing job. And that, in itself, set the tone for Hell in a Cell. What set the tone for um, In Your House 2022? Uh, We got Odell Fantasma. They had a lot of people pulling for them. A lot of people used to boo their asses out the building. But the match quality that they had with D'Angelo... Tony D'Angelo, God, man, I'm so bad with giving names, but two stacks and dimes or whatever, or whatever. I'll just call them stacks and dimes. All right, great back and forth. And, yes, the finish was dirty as fuck because they're they're both heel faction. But the point is, Bianca Belair, triple threat for the Raw Women's Championship with Asuka and Becky and the faction match. Oh, my God. Sasha's actually still a part of the roster. Well, her contract's not up till September, my dude. I know. Kind of. Some of the people on this roster are not active. I bet you out of the 248, they did a lot of cutting. But that's a different subject for a different day. Damn you distracting me. Okay. So what's the difference between that and what AEW puts on. AEW is a whole different animal, man. They got an owner who's also the booker, the writer, the producer, the overall. He's got a writing team. He just doesn't use them. And here's to say, who's to say that both are producing quality product? Well, dude, I again, I hadn't watched WWE all the way through in what feels like for fucking ever, to be honest with you. And they, as a company, put together something that appealed to my psyche because I needed a distraction after what I've been going through lately. All right, folks. So, again, what's the difference between WWE 
and what they're doing now versus what AEW is currently doing. AEW will put together matches, but sometimes they'll book main event quality shit on the first match and the rest of the night. I'm going to say it. I mentally check out if your main event quality match is the first match of the night. Well, the answer to that question is, what is WWE doing differently? Well, with the limited amount of people that they have going on their roster and the the limited amount of time that they put it together, and the crowd ate it up with Cody and Seth. They ate it up with Asuka, Becky, and Bianca. Which is a rarity because before man there's some yeah there's been moments this year alone that WWE has had that they're not good they're not bad but it's like Raw's had its moment Smackdown again I haven't tuned in in quite some time and then just tuned into the pay-per-views and I'm like wow okay so the scenery's changed a little bit I knew of Wendy Chu but I didn't know she'd become one of my favorite people now the fact that she played pranks on Mandy Rose the fact that they're gimmicking her to be this crazy, off-the-wall female, you know, whose very childlike mentality is kind of, like, deceiving because she can actually fucking work. She can actually fucking work. Some people may not like the gimmick. I don't really fucking care. I love it. I love outlandish gimmicks, and that's what attracted me to that match, not Mandy. Just saying it's personal bias type thing, but you get the point. So, yeah, quality over quantity. You can have all the people on your roster. You can get all the names that are formerly a WWE. But what it boils down to is the disingenuous bullshit that I, one of many wrestling fans, will say, what's so disingenuous about AEW? Dude, there have been plenty of times where people are like, did you hear what so-and-so said on the show? There's only been a few people that have held up a wrestling show. Well, actually, let's see. There's three now. Ah, four. Ultimate Warrior held it up but didn't do it on TV. CM Punk did it on TV. He told them what he was going to shoot about. They were completely fine with it up until he started mentioning stuff about Vince. Then you have Sasha and Naomi who walked out before the main event. Oh, and then, folks, in a completely different company, we have someone just airing out his grievances, MJF. I haven't written notes about AEW in so long, God, I'm dreading watching the replay that was in Kansas City. And I'm not even there. And I'm not even in Kansas City anymore. And I have a friend in Columbia that, God love you, you demented, sick, twisted man, Chris Coulter, you bastard. He went to the show because he has nothing. I mean, seriously, there's literally nothing to do in Columbia except probably work, go to the bars, go to college games, go home, hang out with friends. But Chris, I've got to ask, man, was it a quality show? Was it awesome? Did you get wasted? Oh, you did have a good time. Okay, cool. That's awesome. 
that's all that matters, right? Is the fact having a great time. But anyways, from what I caught the attention of, I don't know what they were doing. It was uh, Jake Hager versus Eddie Kingston, you know, apparently to one of my friends. I'm sorry, but I guess I'm going to have to go to my notes before I can start spelling out the mouth, but I'm just going to reference what I saw. As I like to call the domino effect, you have Chris Stratlander, Chris Jericho now piping up and saying maybe if you respected your talent, you wouldn't have so much discord and disrespect in the locker room, quote-unquote, said by Chris Jericho. Again, the trend that MJF set off, we're sick and tired of your shit. And we're going to vocalize our opinions about it. Snooze, wake me up when September ends. Boo, you fuckers. I like watching wrestling in general, but if you're going to repeat one of the most iconic moments or try to repeat it and fail miserably while doing it. Okay, this is like the unveiling of a Scooby-Doo villain. It's so easy. Because there are so many clues that went along with this one. When you, when he first started talking and mentioning WWE, he's like, if I was a former WWE guy, would you have treated me better? Not only that, but some people are going to say, well, if you know so much, what, how, you, how would you have done it to make it more believable? Again, there are simple fixes to this fucking you know, conundrum that we found ourselves in. And why, before I go off into any more tangent of what I've already gone on tangent about the prior week, with MJF, here it is. WWE's promos are very written, very disingenuous, and very annoying. Because why? There's no organic feel behind it, unless a certain someone picks up the microphone, like maybe a Seth Rollins, maybe Cody, maybe Bianca Belair, but it's so fucking written to the point where I just enjoy the wrestling, which is key, right? I enjoy one aspect of it, which is the wrestling, over the talking. AEW does one of two things good, and then they also do one of two things. They do things badly. This is not, uh, well, some may say it is a personal biased opinion. It's facts when you look at the fact that AEW seems to care more about ratings for still. They said that they were going to do their best, you know, create healthy competition. They did so for a while. I mean, they did so for two and a half years up until, you know, they're like, well, we're going to sign big names and we're not, we're not going to be overly saturated with WWE guys. They signed some big names. It's just there's a few things wrong with this picture. And let me elaborate. Signing ain't the fucking issue, folks. Let me bring this a little closer so you can hear me. And I'm already loud as fuck, so here it is. In wrestling, some may say, I would like to go and watch. This week, I want to watch AEW. Next week, I'm going to try and attempt to watch WWE. I never thought in a million years that I'd sit down 
and actually watch something all the way through. As bad an ADHD that I have, folks, one thing you got to remember. When a wrestling show cares way too much about signing guy after guy after guy, and then some people voluntarily walk through your doors, it's just, it's turned into the old, well, you know, wrestling's a revolving door, you know, find whichever company fits you best and go from there. Quality over quantity, folks. Even if WWE is literally working with C. Bianca, Asuka, Becky, they've got other women that are preoccupado with their own feuds, like Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan. It's not bad. I mean, they put them with men that were great, but then they did the no-no, switching Finn Balor to the leader of a faction. But the point is of Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest. But I digress. For the first time in quite some time, WWE's been on a roll with their main moneymakers, which is their, you know, their pay-per-views, which are aired on Peacock. And it's way better than the quality of the network could ever have provided. Also, these are different times where we as a country, man, are going watching news about shootings and pandemic and all this bullshit. So wrestling is kind of a nice escape. And when I look, in my opinion, when I'm looking for great wrestling, I just want to be told a story, and I've said this a million times over, AEW, yes, tells a story, but they do it. It's hit. They do it so it's a hit and miss type thing. WWE does it. My God, man, they're putting on. I wouldn't say five star matches in some instances, like you know, Mad Cat Moss example, Mad Cat Moss, Baron Corbin. Sure, those two could put on a show in their own regard, but you know, I mean. They're not all, you know, I'm going to watch it over and over again type thing. But in your house, I got to go back and watch the whole thing. Because I, I was pleasantly surprised by the Creed Brothers. Because, again, they used to be about as entertaining as trees in the ground. No fucking oomph behind them. And one of them started doing high-flying moves. The other one's the ground and pound dude. Great. That's fucking entertainment right there. Expecting, you know, them to just do submissions and, you know, a few bumps here and there. You know, wrestling sometimes surprises anyone. As cynical as I can be, dudes and dudettes. <laughs> as cynical as I can be, I'm actually praising a part of wrestling that's been criticized and ostracized and ridiculed for their company and the way they do things, blah, blah, blah. On every single other podcast, you'll see, well, WWE's been a mess since 1997. Okay, and it has been, but you know what, guys? The quality product that they presented this month versus the years past that they had people literally walk out of shows, WrestleMania 30, anyone? And then those are the same fans that walked right back on WrestleMania 34, and so on and so forth. Point is, man, I 
like the unpredictability. I don't. Some people may say, well, how can you not know this is the direction they're going? Look, I like being left in the dark in some instances with wrestling. There are some things that will pique a fan's curiosity, and one is, can you make a show work from point A to point Z? Can you present something that will make it look like it's not totally bad, worth watching and if you got kids WWE is kind of like the cat's meow man they're getting edgier they're getting a little they're not going hardcore matches every single week on Raw or Smackdown but they're trying AEW is not a terrible company it's just some of their judgment calls were not the greatest judgment calls of all and I'm not just talking about MJF (laughs) And Chris Stratlander and Chris Jericho and matches that, you know, they they could have been presented on their pay-per-views. Punk versus Adam Page at Double or Nothing. Adam didn't have a terrible match. I mean, yeah, what did you expect? Punk came back and he absolutely floored it the first, you know, six to eight weeks that he was used on dynamite and then he was on rampage these are facts that i wrote down myself because think of it aew brings in all these big names they use them for maybe a span of a few you know a few weeks and then it's off to uh, Elevation Dark, and there's nothing wrong with wrestling at Universal Studios. And, getting, you know, you're still getting a paycheck, and you're still getting exposure. What I'm getting at, folks, is you're going to have all the bells and whistles and the pyro and the hardcore matches. Is it wrong if people want to recreate moments and try to catch lightning in a bottle? No. Because it's like wrestling is like one big mad science experiment. You never know what the fuck you're going to get. And with crowds now, with all the social media and all the the you know dirt sheets and all the rumor mills going around and Meltzer and PWI Insider and all of them, it's kind of hard to find love for wrestling. It really is, from my perspective, from my opinion. Why WWE is producing? Because people will, they will, look, if you spend a year watching something on TV, people wrestling in a Thunderdome in Tampa Bay, Florida, and still managing to get some people to tune into this bullshit, even though a friend of mine said that he was told what to say and what how to react, which is a crock of shit if you Ask me as a fan, personally speaking. But anyways, they went from Thunderdome back to live shows. AEW, you know, they didn't care the fuck if we were in a pandemic or not. They had they had been doing shows out of consumptions with crowds. Is that a crime to have a reaction? It's easier. It's easier to wrestle your matches in because then you get boo or yay. Why WWE is producing? 
is because for life of me, I can't see it. I'm not at a loss for words in this instance because you know that eventually they were going to succeed. It happens to be a timing thing. They were in, you know, the right place at the right time. Right around WrestleMania week is when Cody Rhodes said, I've done all I can do in AEW, and that was a turning point, just a smidgen of one. Because AEW still has star power in some instances with certain names. But the question is, how long are they going to be along for the ride? A lot of companies try to say, well, you know, we all make mistakes. For the love of God, please don't, you know, please. If there's already been a moment where fans were drawn to it and it was real, it was organic, you felt the fucking moment. That's what I'm trying to get at, folks, is when people tune in to watch your shit. It's because it's real. It's not written. It's not paragraphed. It's not bullet pointed. It's real. Yes, I've mentioned it a thousand times. WWE has their tendencies to want to piss off the crowd because they know they'll tune in the next week and the next week. And some of them will say, I've checked out. You guys have done this before. That was me for six months. But enough about moi. The reason why WWE produces because their sole concern is, okay, if Cody is feuding with Seth, we got to keep this thing going because it's it's really selling to the audience, man. The story they told in Hell in a Cell, the story they told in the very first match between the two at WrestleMania 38. What stories are being told in AEW? It's like a clusterfuck. You've got Chris Jericho wrestling you know, feuding with Eddie Kingston, and then they dropped that feud. Now you have, you had Adam Page and CM Punk for a double or nothing. Punk got hurt, so now what are you going to do? That's a technicality. There's the one word I've said over and over again through previous shows, consistency. Gotta have me some consistency. Because if you kill off something after two, three weeks because the crowd really doesn't want to deal with that shit, more power to you. You got to have consistency when you're in pro wrestling. If you have no clue what that word means or it begins to interpret into it, let me point, paint a picture for you. If... A group of people or one person is shooting with one person. Keep that up. Keep that story going if the crowd is into it. If it's completely dead, don't fucking force it. The fact that AEW comes up with these great feuds and kills it off is not uncommon now in wrestling because apparently we must have a bunch of neuralizers to make us forget what the fuck happened. WWE's producing because... Not only do they have a limited roster, but the crowds are selling out. They are in bigger venues than AEW and what they normally go around, you know, touring in. 
yes, AEW sells out in certain arenas in certain regions because certain fans are like, well, I got tired of watching the bullshit in WWE and I can't stand Roman being champion, are the same ones that piped up and said, I would love for Roman to turn heel. Despite WWE pissing off the crowd in certain ways, they're not doing that just to spite them anymore because they realize if they keep if they kept on spiting the audience, which they do in certain instances, the fans will tune in. Like it's like you know a fish looking at a hook in the water. They know they're not supposed to, but they go after it anyways. I just want to let you in on a little something. Yeah, a lot of people have targeted me, or not targeted me, but have said, you're just a WWE guy. All you care about is whatever they do and whatever they put across as a product, you know, present as a product. Well, here's confession time, folks. Never really liked AEW as a whole, but I had to watch them for about eight to ten months because it's only fair if I actually have some notes to go along with their bullshit, they're not, and they will never be the level of WCW. They will not ever be the level of ECW. But here we are, and they've got they've gotten so many accolades, you know, for Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker's matches, and Moxley versus Pac, and all that. And they're not terrible matches. What I'm saying is. The reason why AEW is kind of a lax subject for me is because they have a referee to which if she's not the center of attention, Aubrey Edwards tunes into a what? Just another employee that's not satisfied with not getting all the glory as a referee. They also have big names who complained after the fact that they were Dubbed the AEW Tag Team Champions FTR. Three. There's way too many fuckers on that fucking roster. And 248 in WWE, yeah, that number was cut in half because there's no fucking way that all of them could be wrestling on one show. Unless it's a super show or a coast area again. WWE is producing good wrestling. Yeah, they're talking and writing needs to quit being somewhat so damn Hollywood-esque. But you know what? I digress. If you're, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. There, I found it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. The model WWE has always gone under is, yes, there's competition. Competition makes you do better things, produce better quality products. Give the fans something to buzz about. Again, the women's match, wow. The Hell in a Cell between Cody and Seth, great job. Um, and as far as NXT is concerned, man, I haven't tuned in in ages. And already they've they've proven that they're still hanging around. Not by a thread, but, you know, the matches. Not the promos. If they were to go and say how they feel, do you honestly think any of them would have a job, wink, wink, in WWE? A lot of people have referred to it as they feel like they're walking on eggshells, so they have to produce regardless. Because what other alternatives do they have 
as wrestlers. They could easily go to NWA. They could go to Japan, some of them. But again, after going around in circles and barely getting to my point, because you guys are sidetracking me on Instagram, dear Lord, I'm about to tell you is this. One company's sole concern has always and will forever be we're going to make a big signing from Japan or we're going to sign this dude from MMA or we're going to beat you guys in rings. You know how weak it sounds in this day and age? We got over a million viewers. That's great. What quality has your product produced outside of specialty matches, outside of guys gigging, girls gigging, and outside of people you know, saying, well, our wrestling is different because not only does it tell a story, but it gives the impression that we're a unique company. For sure, because after the umpteenth amount of times that you guys bashed WWE on your show, even when Cody was still present and a part of your roster, here's what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Better be in the... Uh, Better be in this for a while because if it just goes back to WWE, who's their other competition? Impact or NWA, possibly. We've heard a lot of lot of good things. Control your narrative, fairly new and you know, on the rise. A lot of wrestling brings something very unique, okay? But unique. But falling in line works better than just unique. Because then you're constantly going to have to one-up yourself. And you're going to run yourself. And you're going to run yourself ragged. Oh, it sounds like I'm in fucking repeat. WWE is producing because given the fans stuff that we all saw when it was NXT running back in 2013-14. Maybe not the magnitude or quality of those matches, but damn, man, they're giving us what we call a show. Whereas AEW gives you something. As AEW gives you something, but it's one big giant question mark. Like, okay, you gave us one great match. Where's the rest of it? Or, man, this show was great top to bottom. Can they follow up? And then the next week, Kerplunk falls apart. There was no decent matches. There was no good stories to be told by AEW. That's wrestling, right? No. Wrestling is a bunch of opinions where people are going to tell you, this is great, man. You should watch it. Like my friend Chris. I love you, dude. We're going to always butt heads with wrestling opinions. But uh, you know I'm making some very valid points. God damn, bossy, bossy, bossy sound. But you get what I'm saying, man. I know you're listening. I'm really probably out with friends drinking and carousing. Getting females' phone numbers. I don't know. You sick, sick man. But Chris and I will always there and chat, you know, and argue back and forth and tease each other. But I got to say, my friend, even you have to admit that AEW slips on the banana peel, the metaphorical banana peel, every once in a great while they do. Actually, they've been doing that for a while. 
when you produce quality product over having quantity of roster that's full of quantity, I go with quality product and presentation over oversaturated too much people on the roster any day of the week. All right. That'll do it for Russell Radio Network on Wednesday. Join us Saturday. Potentially have a guest coming up next week. We have to make contact once again. I'll tell you who it is, and we'll do the promo pics on Insta and Twitter. And uh, also the Book of Face. Again, oh, before I go, I haven't done this in a while. If you'd like to go to a professional wrestling school, if you want to make your dreams of becoming a professional wrestler, referee, manager, announcer, book, timekeeper, whatever you want to be, man, Paulsboro, New Jersey is where it's at, Monster Factory. Danny Cage is an excellent head coach, trainer, and owner of the world-famous Monster Factory and located in Paulsboro, New Jersey. For more information, go to their website on www.monsterfactory.org. That's actually make it easier. Monsterfactory.org. Do not email the office and do not call at certain hours. You answer the phone, but you get the gist. Get off that couch, quit eating those chips. Become a pro wrestler today at the world-famous Monster Factory. All right. If you didn't like what good old Brian Rails had to say tonight in fucking circles and random rants, then I got three choice words for you. Forget about it. And, uh, you know, you know the deal, right? No, for serious, for real. I know this. My show, would you quit playing around? Gotta get my beauty rest for tomorrow. Okay, seriously. Goober.